What's going on, guys? This is the Founder Hour podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. And now I'm Posh. And we're super excited today to be sitting down with Everett Taylor. Uh, done a b- bunch of things, so I'm not even going to start with listing them, but we'll get into it. Everett, thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, guys, and, and braving the LA traffic to get here. Yeah. yeah. There's like a Clippers game. We're right outside the Staples Center. It just started, so... Yeah, and we're they're actually good now, so we're used it's to even it. crazier. Yeah. yeah, we're used to I know, it. I know. Before it was like, oh, Clippers games, let's schedule everything in downtown. <laughs> now it's like, nope, Kawhi's in town. Who else is in town? Paul George is injured. I, yeah, yeah, everybody. Everybody and their mother. It's crazy. Um, we're literally across the street, so it's just happy. I know. Yeah. I know. Everett, talk to us. Where did where did life begin for you? Uh, life began for me in uh, Richmond, Virginia, so on the opposite side of the world. Yeah. Uh, not world, but country. Um, that that is LA and literally a 180 from Los Angeles uh, in terms of being in a place where you know it's not a major city major hub um, there's not a uh, access to a lot of resources that you might have in Los Angeles and New York San Francisco um, and then you didn't really have people that you could see that you could be like oh I can do that you come to LA and New York if you want to be an athlete, you see athletes. If you want to be a musician, you see musicians. You see somebody, you know, somebody in tech or business. Literally everything is right there at your fingertips in terms of like inspiration, seeing people actually do it. Being from Richmond, Virginia, is like, okay, I see people hustling on the streets, I see prostitutes, I see people working dead end jobs. Uh, I don't really see shit else, you know? Mm. Um, and so and we didn't really even have too many like successful like athletes or musicians, like name one rapper or musician from Richmond, Virginia, right? So yeah. it it was a place where you kind of got stuck in this cycle and you realize how, well, most people don't realize how limited you are in your experience of life in the world. And, you know, a lot of people there literally don't leave like their block. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, have lived for 30, 40, 50 years and don't leave their neighborhoods. You yeah. know? Is that because they can't or because they don't want to? I mean, I think it's a mixture of both. Is someone's mental block any more than a financial block or a physical block, right? If you mentally don't think you can do it, I think that's just as real as something that's physically um, – hurting you from doing something right. or financially hurting you from doing something. It, it's it's a whole culture mm-hmm. that it's, you know, the one thing I've learned in life is we live in a very monkey see, monkey do world, mm-hmm. right? And that's from the wealthiest of people down to the poorest of people, right? I see wealthy people do the same things, buy the same things, act the same way. Same thing goes down to people who don't have resources. If no one else takes yeah. trips, if no one else you know, tries to do something more with their life, then that's all you know. And it takes a special kind of person to kind of be able to take a step back and say, wait, this is weird. Like, yeah. Why Why is everyone doing the same things that leads to the same result? But I got really, really lucky and had some very interesting breaks um, in terms of marketing and like my career early on yeah. that allowed me to see, like I know what kind of broke me out of that. But going back to that kind of environment you're in, right? Like right. what does it take to to get out of that? You know, on a micro level, on a personal level, I feel like some people do have that kind of, you know, uh, awareness maybe where it's like, right. oh, I see what's going on. But <clears throat> on a macro level, like how, how does that 
change? How does how do you get more people to be a little bit more, I guess, independent or aware of what's going on and, and take things into their own hands versus going with the flow and sort of being stuck in this bubble? Yeah, I mean, this is coming from a college dropout, but education is huge. Right. And it's not just the academic side, it's the support side, right? Like I remember being in high school not having a counselor telling me, oh, you should apply to this college and do this and do that. You know, people will will make sure your expectations are really low and like not really push you to go beyond what you might be able I to do. I had that in Los Angeles, California too. So it's it's probably not even like a specific area yeah. thing. It's like there's just shitty people out there. Yeah, it's very <laughs> shitty people. But I think the, the world of academics is something that can help you get out. Yeah. If kids can understand that, hey, if I get great grades and I can get a scholarship and go to UCLA and get out of Richmond, Virginia or wherever you may be, or maybe for someone in LA, they might need to go to NYU. They might not, might need to go to the University of Chicago or something to get them and break them out of the mold. I out think, of their comfort zone. Yeah, out of their comfort zone. The best thing that could have happened, there's the, the second best thing that could have ever happened to me was moving to California. The first thing that happened to me that really changed I think changed my life was getting my first job at 14 doing marketing for a company called Eastern National. And Eastern National is a nonprofit that actually um, runs the bookstores and gift shops for the national parks on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Museums as well. Museums, Battlefield, Nature Parks, whatever. Yeah. So you took a kid from the hood and I got to experience, especially in the summers, people from all over the fucking world. Right. So I got we to always interact with that. Yeah. We always talk about this concept of exposure and I think it applies here is, is right. sort of um being like to know what's out there and to know right. what the possibilities are. You you have to be exposed to something in the first place. And if you're kind of confined to this, you know, region or area or just even like your own life, like and you you don't I guess personally seek it out or it's not available to you easily um through school, through family, whatever it might be, then right. you just don't know what's out there. So I guess in your case you mentioned you got a job at 14 doing marketing. Like, how did you even know about marketing? What did you think marketing was? And I, I guess let's start there. Yeah, I'll make one point though. Like, it's the, I don't know how old you guys are. I just turned 30, but 27. So, you know, I didn't have social media, I didn't have access to the internet. Now, these kids, if they really want to, if you're really built, like, because it also takes someone who's built for the shit too, right? You have if you really want to see things that are different or get inspiration from other places or see examples, you can do the research. You can see it now. So it's a lot different when you literally didn't have anything. You didn't have you only had what was in front of you, right? Right. And now the world is completely diff different. But uh, I didn't know what marketing was. Like if you had asked me at fourteen what is marketing, I wouldn't have been able to give yeah. you an answer. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that my mom found some stuff that shouldn't have been in my room. I was, you know, selling drugs. I was selling weed. Like, well, it was weed. Like now it's like so bad, it's, but yeah, like yeah, it used yeah. to be so bad. But what's so crazy, you go to Virginia, people are still getting locked up really? years in jail for marijuana. Yeah. It's, and you walk here in LA and people are just smoking down the street. Right. It's crazy. Um, but anyways, in that experience, you know, my mom... She understood the gravity of the situation just because I've had so many uncles and men in my family end up in jail, dead, or whatever. And um, she was like, you're going to have to get a real job. And so I applied for Ch Chick-fil-A. Love uh, Chick-fil-A. 
Do you know electric cooling? <laughs> I mean, maybe after working there, but just <laughs> yo, this oh, is I don't crazy. Know if you worked there or okay, not? Okay, no, well, well, I didn't end up working there. Yeah. Oh. Chick Fil A is like the reason that I pause now is because, and this is a whole different topic, and yeah. we can talk about it later. It's okay, we can talk about it. Is <laughs> how PC everything is now. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm scared to admit that I like Chick Fil A because there's people who really hate Chick Fil A, and I'm like, yo. I really love a number one with no pickles. Like, that is my shit. Mm. But now we live in this age, and it kind of goes back to social media where, you know, I remember having social media and literally being able to say, not, I was saying, I wasn't saying negative things or whatever, but you could literally say, oh, the sky is blue. And because someone is in another part of the country, they're like, oh, it's green or orange, or what are you talking about? And they're yeah, like yeah. arguing with you, and it's like, whoa. Or and like, they'll go viral and spark a yeah, nationwide debate. Yeah, why do you like <laughs> the sky? It got smog in it, and it's killing people. It's like, yeah. whoa, like, I just like, I just yeah. thought right. the sky was a pretty blue. Like, it's it's crazy. So it it sucks for me to, to see my, like, how I tense up when yeah. it's something like that. And it's crazy right. that our, our world has gotten like that. But anyways, um, marketing. So You plot a trick for Huh? You applied to Chick-fil-A. I applied to Chick-fil-A. I had a job interview at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So in Virginia, you can start working at 14. So nice. there's a lot of rural areas in Virginia. And so people are working farms. And mm-hmm. so you can start working at 14 with a worker's permit. And so Chick-fil-A at the time in Virginia would hire at 14. Wow. So uh, I applied. I had a job interview. And then I think my job interview was like that next week. And then right before that, my mom found this marketing job in the in the classified ads in the newspaper, and she literally called them and said, "Hey, my son needs a job, and I would love for you guys to interview him." And I don't know, she she just convinced them, and and I was able to. She marketed you for, very well. She marketed me very well. Yeah. Um, and I went in for the interview. All not, you had to say was you, you were born with it. She passed it on to you. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so yeah. I get in there, and I can't remember the interview, but I just remember how I felt in the interview, where I was like, "Whoa, this is like super easy." It just came super natural to me, and I think. Like the job description, like what were you, what you were well, supposed to do? Whatever the questions he was asking in an oh, interview, gotcha. it just felt very easy to me. It was my yeah. first interview ever, yeah. but it just felt really easy. Yeah. Um, and it just came naturally to me. And I think sometimes we never know when we're going to uncover what our gift or what our talent is. You never know. I feel like most people have like this hidden talent mm-hmm. and most people never get to- I agree more. You know, whether they might be the best guitar, they're meant to be the best guitarist ever, but they never get to pick up a guitar. Why do you think that is? Like you said, the lack of access, the lack of being able to experience things. Or even on a personal level, even if you do have the access, um, not like never kind of, or I guess not having the mindset that, hey, like there there could be that thing out there. And so I right. should try as many things as possible and not be like set in my ways and stick to my nine to five and then the things that I've, I've done since I was a kid. Right. But like there's a world of things out there that you've never done before. Right. Like in the black community, we have some of the greatest athletes in the world. You don't think right. we would kick ass on a hockey rink? You know, I'm sure they would, but we're not playing hockey in the hood. We don't, yeah. we we don't get, you know, we don't have that access. They actually say hockey is really a sport for the wealthy. Like it's it's not a lot of rinks. You got a the equipment, anything nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, what I mean, it's it's it's, it's crazy. So yeah, um, um, golf's the same thing. Tennis, uh, tennis yeah. So, 
But I'm curious. So um, before we get into like, you know, the actual job, uh, you, you're in high school at this point, right? Yeah, I'm um, in high school. What did you, what did you want to do? Like, did you have a vision of like where you, what, where you wanted to end up or what kind of job you wanted to have? Uh, I just really liked sports. Okay. Like I was like, that's, that's the thing. I wasn't like this fucking genius, bro. Like I wasn't like, oh man, I'm gonna be this tech founder and I'm gonna <laughs> take over the world. You know how like you go around the room and like every basic ass kid is like, I want to be a football player. Yeah, I was that kid. Yeah. you know, I was like, you know, I wasn't anything special. Like I didn't have, I couldn't say the one thing I will say that was a little bit special about me when I was a kid was that I questioned things. I questioned why things were the way that they were. Right, which got me in trouble. Right, but like for instance, I couldn't understand. You know, you you being like a lot of like a lot of the bad schools, they don't have, they don't separate you if you're way smarter. You're in a class right. with a bunch of people that are like just moving way slower than you. Right? Or, or if you do question things too much, they separate you, but they put you in like detention or something. They don't, right, <laughs> like Absolutely. why are you asking so many questions? Absolutely, and I remember like asking my teacher like, okay. This is dumb. You know I know this. Why do I have to do homework? What's the point of me doing homework? Like I'm spending 30 minutes going home where I could be going playing outside. Like I don't get why things are done the way they were. So the one thing I will always I, I do say is I was pretty normal, but I, the one thing I did notice about myself is that I always kind of took a step back and was like, why does why do people do things like this? Or why should things work like that? But um but yeah, yeah I I wanted to be like a basketball player. Like it wasn't I wasn't any different. Like I didn't have yeah. this major, right? Crazy right. Dream. And I'm assuming like you didn't see because like you questioned a lot. You, I'm assuming you didn't see a lot of value in school, but you, d- you did end up going to college. I know you mentioned you dropped out eventually, but yeah. What like w- obviously at that point, like I, I guess why did you want to go to college? Why did you end up going to college? And then what did you what did you study? Right. So just to wrap up the last thing, um, yeah. I mean, with the with the with the job. Which kind of leads into Got the whole college experience. Yep. Um, when I, I I ended up getting that job, and I remember it being a full time job, and technically I couldn't work full time, and so uh, they asked if you can start Monday at nine a.m. and I said no, and they were like, "What? You're in college or something?" I was like, "No, I'm in high school," and uh, it goes back to kind of thinking outside of the box. I said, "If I can come in." before and after school and on the weekends and accomplish the same thing that a full-time person would, should I be able to keep the job? And they gave me a trial run and I killed it while I was there. What were you doing? So really it was um, really thinking about marketing from, like it was a lot of paperwork. Like So in terms of figuring out what inventory we should have and so checking to see what things were selling, what, how we should place things within the bookstore and the gift shop. How do we attract people with signs? So it was really like, mark, like it was like conversion rate optimization in the real world. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, Did you like it at the moment? Like when I you were doing it. this, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. You know, I love the idea of like, not manipulate, like that sounds like so sociopathic, but <laughs> like how do you manipulate people or how do you get people to do Guide. something? Right, you can guide them. Yeah, yeah. You know, so one of the things is like, so say we have a museum, and we, I remember one of our museums, we had this gift shop that's like super like tucked away, and it was like we had to figure out like how we could do that. And so I was like, wait, we give announcements for like programs. Why don't we give announcements? You know, every thirty minutes, every forty-five minutes, 
or after tours, it'd be like, hey, come check out our, check out the gift shop, like now that you wrapped up with the tour and things like that. And so just figuring out ways how we can push people and push business there mm-hmm. and also thinking about what were the type of products that we needed to to get more sales. And what, what I realized was, you know, books, yeah, cool, books are cool, but it was always like the fun stuff that like really got people going and was, was going to sell the most. How did you know you were good at it? Was it, um, was it like the... Yeah, I don't know who your boss was or like the people around you like telling you like, hey, you're good at this or was it just seeing that whatever you were, you were doing well, was Well, I mean, I had the greatest boss. His name was Rob Co- uh, Rob Coach and uh, he, he was very instrumental in being the type of person who gave great feedback, good or bad, yeah. and uh, let me know that I was like doing well mm-hmm. and gave me that confidence to continue to to make those moves and um, it was a great experience to me because I would have never wanted to go to college if I didn't take that job because one I started meeting all these people at Eastern National in the National Park Service they all had college degrees they all went to college um, when the when when the summertime came around they would have like summer interns that went to different universities and like they would be telling me about the wild parties and the girls and all that and I'm like yeah. yo I got to check this out yeah. right and so if it wasn't for seeing all that I don't know if I would have even tried to go to college like when I when I applied to college I applied to I was homeless at the time cuz I ended up actually getting laid off from that job 3 years in um but I was still so hellbent on Going to college, like I had to make that happen. So, so you're 17 now, and you said you're homeless. I mean, what what was that situation like? Oh man, you know, <laughs> it's it's crazy. I, I don't like talking about it that much. And 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 this is no offense to you guys, but when I I remember the first time that I I did my first interview ever. This was in 2015, and this was for this like small student-ran blog from my university that I had went to. Um, it was like ran by this one student who was like just blogging and stuff like that. He wanted to interview me, but at the time, like I had started to grow a little bit of a brand because of Growth Hackers and the success I had in my career at that point. Because I was like six years in as like an entrepreneur for, for like five, five or six years in as this an entrepreneur. Is like four years ago. Yeah, that's four years ago. Yeah, like never, like at the time I had sold a company, led marketing for a company that got acquired, um, started another company, and oh, started two more companies that were million dollar plus companies and was CMO of Sticker Mule at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I had done all of that and never done like a personal interview because I was super anti-brand, right? Mm -hmm, Like. mm -hmm anti-personal brand. I was very big on like doing the work and not like, talking about it. Not talking about it. And so because this guy came from my alma mater, quote unquote, I didn't graduate, but I said, okay, I'll I'll do the interview. And we were just talking and you know, he was asking about my life and I and I talked about high school and he said, tell me about high school. And then I told him about, you know, being homeless. And it was just like a quick thing. It was we didn't even like elaborate yeah. or get into it really um because that's like a tough thing to talk about it's not sure, something yeah. that like i just want to oh it's monday i want to talk about mm-hmm. me being homeless in 2006 yeah, yeah. and right. seven mm-hmm. um but i had at the time i probably had about seventeen thousand twitter followers and it was just it was enough that when i tweeted it out 
Um, this is when things were still in chronological order, so, so people actually saw things. But when I tweeted out, other people saw that and they're like, whoa, I didn't know that. And someone else wanted to write an article. And what I realized was that hook was the thing that people really wanted to overcoming homeless, to be in a millionaire founder, yeah. and da da da. And at the time I saw it was like the like the kid that never got the attention finally getting into it. I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Like people are actually, you know, wanting to write about me, give me awards, have me on podcasts, you know. And then I saw my social media following growing. I saw it affecting positively the business. And so I kind of got wrapped up into it. And every article, every interview, everything they would always want to talk about, oh, you were homeless mm. and how you overcame being homeless and getting to where you are. And what I realized was, holy shit, this has become like this personal brand tool. Right. Like this is like something that's fucking awful and it's become like this hook to mm. grab and catch people where people always want to talk about it. And then- you know, we were talking earlier before we got on here about, you know, having a big personal brand as a founder. The one thing when that happens, you influence and you lay the blueprint for others, right. especially for founders within the black tech community. And so when I started to get all the success from a personal brand standpoint, I started to see other people use like, I was homeless. I was and right. use these, and I'm pretty sure now you've seen it. Like it's become this typical right. thing, like where you see that contributor Forbes article where it's like this, this, to, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like this typical. You see it all it's the time. The now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the, the weekend line from homeless to Forbes list. Yeah, like it's become like it's become like <laughs> almost like this. Like um, it's like a cool factor, which is which really not. But I mean, like, and I love that explanation that you just gave to that question I asked. But for me, it's more so like, and I'm curious really about this. Is I totally understand it's something that isn't an issue that you or other people want to talk about. But at the same time, I wonder, isn't it something that could be inspiring to those that perhaps are not homeless, but are going through some other sort of struggle, personal struggle in their lives. And that, right. look, even though you reach that point of lowness in your life or that low point, right. that's not where you're going to end up. Right. 110%. And I, again, like we talked about this offline, like I'm not a big fan of like being motivational, right. but again, if there's something through story that, Another person can be like, you know what? Like, I'm jobless right now. Like, I have like twenty dollars left in my bank account. I don't have much going for me. Like, right. I'm kind of good at like doing one thing, but like, I don't really know. Like, tomorrow's not looking too great. Yeah, you know, like how how you know how does your narrative speak to them? Yeah. So I don't want to sound like an asshole. No, 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 no. The things that I said don't. before. Yeah. yeah. It's just this is tra a traumatic thing. Yeah. And it's it's not easy to talk about. Yeah. But what I can't what I can't deny is that I've inspired so many people through my story. And so it's like this, it's, it's a catch 22 where it's like this thing and like you feel like you see these people now building these brands off of trauma, mm. right? And bad things happening. And then another thing is there's levels to this homeless shit, bro. Yeah. There's, oh, you're sleeping on people's couches? Boo hoo, right? Like, I'm sorry. You're technically homeless, but you're not on the street. Yeah, like, yeah. or like you were homeless for... A quick second or whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah. I was homeless for a year, bro. Like, yeah. I was literally living not in a car that worked that could turn on, a car that was broken down that had a fucking hole in the windshield because someone broke into my car. 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was really homeless. And so when I see these other people, now people can just throw out, I was homeless yeah. to entrepreneurial story and not really have to go in depth about it and use it as a branding tool. Right. And it's like, yo, it's fuck insulting, you, man. Yeah, it's yeah. insulting. Like it's it's really insulting to me because sure. in, you know, I have situations all the time in LA where people are so insensitive to like people regularly regularly call people bump. Like this is when I knew that we weren't the same. I remember, I'm not going to say any names. It was somebody who used being homeless to brand themselves. And they said, they used the word bums. No person that was genuinely homeless. Like calling other people bums? Yeah. Yeah. Was calling a, a homeless person a fucking bum. Right. Are you serious? Yeah. And you said you were homeless? Like when I hear someone say that, and I'm super passionate about this. When mm-hmm. I hear somebody call somebody a bum, yo, it it like it fires me up. It's like hearing a white person say the n word. Like it's just, yeah, yeah. yo, I hate that. Right. You know, because it's so insensitive. Because you don't understand. Because you haven't been through it to understand what it's you, like. You don't understand that most of these people are dealing with mental health. Like it's 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 beyond. It's not like they're just over here. Like yo, I want to be homeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. So. So I guess let's so talk about just like, uh, uh, you know, what, what, whatever it means, obviously, like everyone knows really truly what it means, like homeless being, you don't have a home, you're on the street, you have really nowhere to go. How do you, how did, how do you get out of that? How did you, how did you sort of not let that affect the trajectory of your life and you clearly went to college? Like what was the, what was going through your head at the time? Like how, how did you go through this? Yo, Kobe has, you know, it's so funny where like. Just looking at the Staples Center. I'm not even a Kobe fan, bro. We're literally sitting in your apartment <laughs> looking uh, at the Staples Center. So full circle, baby. But, you know, Kobe had this thing where someone was interviewing him and he and they were like, yo, what motivates you? Like, what motivates you to be who you are and work as hard as you do? And he said, nothing. I'm just built like this. You know, like mm-hmm. I've always been built like I used to think like. Being poor or going through hard things was the reason why, like, I hustled so hard. And then you get to a point of success and you're like, man, damn, I have everything that I ever wanted. I'm still hungry as ever. And I just realized I'm built like that. And so even when I was homeless, Mm -hmm. I never gave up. Like, I was in the local library. I was, you know, researching colleges. I remember discovering Mark Zuckerberg and being like, yo, I want to do this tech thing. And then discovering Virginia Tech. And I was like, well, that makes sense. I should probably go there, (laughs) you know, Um, playing drums on the street, washing windshields, washing cars at the gas station, getting harassed, taking fucking like my version of a bath shower and gas station bathrooms and going to school and like the same kids that used to be like, yo, you the man. Now I'm in there with like fucked up hair. Like, cause I don't, I couldn't get haircuts. I'm probably not smelling the best. I don't have fresh, clean clothes. And yo, people are mean as shit, bro. Yeah. They're mean. Like people can be so mean. And and no matter what happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make it out. I'm going to make it out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And uh, yeah, man, I just never, I know that doesn't seem like a, a, a great in-depth answer, but I, it's just yeah. like, I just, I'm no, not built it. like that. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I have two points to make. One, I'm going to be good cop and one, I'm going to be bad cop. Okay. Because uh, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Um, one, so I used to work with Mayor Garcetti's office a few years ago and we worked a lot with uh, folks that were 
uh, coming out of jail. So like a lot of recidivism issues, a lot of homelessness issues. And one of the biggest problems that we would always discuss with the community was that, you know, when you pass by a homeless person, don't ignore them, right? Say hi or wave, right? right. If, if they ask for money, if you don't, you don't want to give money, no one's forcing you to do that. Right. But I think a lot of times, a lot of folks, and I, I'm sure I've been, in, if, I've been in that situation as well where I just ignore it. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to avoid like trying to give them money. Right. But now that person thinks like they're some sort of property, like just a property that's hanging out to dry, not a human being, right? right? And we almost as society forget that those are human beings that are in that temporary state of mind ideally, right? I think that's one of the biggest problems with homelessness and allowing them to get out of that situation. And I'm no one to speak because I haven't lived through that. Right. But from folks that I've talked to, like that's one of the biggest things. They're like, we just want people to like interact with us, like right. at the very least, you know what I mean? Right. And so like come to your point of like, people are mean like i agree with you like you know it's i think it's almost a lesson right now that i would want our listeners to take away is anybody homeless or not homeless like it's not a big fucking deal to just say hi like make them seem like they're there yeah and they're not ignored if they ask for money and i I literally don't have money i i say yo i'm so sorry i wish i had money and i talk to them like a normal human being it's crazy have you seen how people act about babies and kids they're like like at what point do we lose a sense of humanity for people? Is yeah. it like a certain age when they or start something? Talking. You know, like like <laughs> right, well, you know, he's right because like you know, like pets, like they'll get old to the point that they eventually die, but there's you still treat them the same way that you they, still you treat them. You still treat them the same, right? It's as like, soon as they can answer back to you in a negative manner, you're like, <laughs> fuck no, dude, yeah, I don't like it, you anymore. But it's like crazy how like we're so obsessed with yeah. like. Babies, like uh, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like yeah. our, our country's like obsessed with babies. Yeah, like yeah. people, they're literally yeah. Instagram accounts with yeah, millions yeah, yeah, of yeah, followers yeah. where people obsess over mm-hmm. babies, yeah. right? Like, and they and they 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 care for them, and they and they, and it means so much to them. Mm-hmm. But just as much as that baby is a human, that person on the street is a human too. Yeah, same person. Yeah. That person used to be a baby. (laughs) We all used to be babies. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're Benjamin Button. Like, you know what I mean? So it's it's just crazy to me how, you know, people just kind of lose sight. Like, that is a person. Dude, that's a person that had a mother and a father that probably went to school that had dreams and aspirations Mm -hmm. and and just like you did, and now is in a shitty situation. Right. And people just lose sight of that. And like one of the things that is 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 crazy for me now at this point in my life is why I'm so focused on impact over money and success. Because if all the billionaires in the world really wanted to eradicate homelessness, they could. They could, bro. Yeah. That's wild. Like if you guys all came together and you guys would still be rich. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you guys could literally fix this yeah. problem. But what's their incentive, right? Like, the, the, yeah. I mean, there's there's yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a lot deeper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I know, I know. They, they, you know I'm just they saying that's be... what they would ask you. Yeah, it's interesting because you know? it kind of goes back to like what you said about when you're in that position versus where you are now. Like, it's sort of like you 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 still want more. You're still hungry because that's the type of person you are. So you sort of live within your means, right? Like at that point, right. you were. I'm sure you were still like motivated. You're still. Or trying to be as motivated and happy as you could, but you're you're sort of living in your, in, within your means. Like for these billionaires, like they could be living very similar lives with half the money they have, if not like 
like not like one third yeah not even yeah exactly like one percent of the money they have like yeah so it's 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 kind of like what are you doing with all the rest of i don't money? even want to sound like a dick right now but like i love this apartment this is a really nice apartment that it we're is a very in nice right, apartment, by the way. that we're in right now but i could live way more extravagantly than this if mm-hmm. i wanted to i just choose well, why for what i'm yeah. one person like yeah. you know you have these people yeah. who have these big houses in the hills and like they they live by themselves. Like, why do you have this big yeah. house? Like, yeah. it's so unnecessary. How's that not depressing? It's like, yeah. it's like, I mean, it is. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, Everybody, I said earlier that I have a second question that I would play bad cop and yeah, like yeah, devil's advocate. Sure. Um, so one thing you mentioned when you talked about Kobe or motivation in general, right? You said that you know Kobe said there's nothing that motivates him. It's just that's how he's built. Right. You kind of have that same uh, mindset as well. But I want to kind of question that and say that. Or ask you, don't you think there are multiple stages of motivation throughout someone's life that they might not just be motivated by one thing or some, or or built that way that perhaps, you know, there are times where struggle motivates you and then you get out of that struggle and then you're like, okay, I got out of that struggle. I could do this. Something else motivates me. And then, oh, now I'm built this way. Like, don't you think that you being built to be motivated is a result of the struggles, the failures, and the challenges that you've had to endure to get to that point. And I could be wrong. I'm just curious as to what you think. Dude, I always wanted more, though. And then what's so crazy is when you are living in poverty, you don't know you're living in poverty because everyone else is living in poverty. You just think it's normal. You just think it's normal. But even that, I was like, dude, we could do better than this. Yeah. Right? Like, I just always kind of thought outside the box and always wanted more for myself and always was just like motivated to have more. It wasn't necessarily the situations that I that I experienced. Now, don't get me wrong, there's like nice little kicks in there. Like I was telling a friend about a friend of mine that was this girl um when I was in high school that I met. I met her at one of my games and you uh played she, football? This was this was basketball. Oh basketball. And met her at one of my games and um she went to this private school out in like the county area. And uh, I wanted to take her to my homecoming dance and all this. And she said, hey, you know, my dad, like my parents would want to meet you if I'm going to go to the dance. So I pull up there. I'm from South Cyrus and from the hood, <laughs> baggy clothes, beat down car. I pull up to her, to her house and like I put on like my best polo and my best outfit and thinking I was good. And I could just look at her parents looking at me like, who is this? What just got dragged in here? Yeah. Right? Just judging me. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't even allowed to come in the house. The wife and the, and the daughter went back inside and he was like, son, I want to talk to you. He was like, I'm not letting some hoodlum from Southside Richmond date my daughter. Mm. So you can turn your butt around and head back to where you came from. And so those moments where people look at you and like, like you feel like you're not good enough or whatever, like, of course those things are like added to it, but like, I'm going to be doing those things anyway. That's the, that's why I'm, that's why I say I'm just built like this. Like that'll piss me off, but it's not going to like, I'm not going to have that experience and be like, you know what? I'm going to be a billionaire now. Because of that. Because of that. Like, it's just like. Oh, that's fucked up, it's dude. It's just affirmations. <laughs> yeah. Affirmations along yeah. the way. It's where just like, like I know right, I'm on the right, right track. I know I'm doing something right. 
You know, for sure. It's like yeah. how Tom Brady has proven himself after being drafted. <laughs> Let's not talk about 199th, uh, <laughs> sixth round. Are you a Patriots fan? Big time. Yeah. Oh, fuck you, man. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> right? I'm a Steelers fan, so okay, yeah. you guys I mean, have yeah. just been the yeah, bane yeah, We've of been my just on everybody lately. Uh, but, okay, so talk to us. You go to college. Do you, so you went to Virginia Tech? Yeah, I went to Virginia Tech. What Did you study, like, engineering? Uh, computer engineering uh, when I first got there. So uh, I went there for a year in a few weeks of my sophomore year and had to drop out and I studied computer engineering. I came back for one semester. So I started my first company at 19. And while I was building this company, I was like, oh, I'm making some money now. Let me go back to school now. Like, And I realized I couldn't juggle both. So I went back for a semester and literally just like dropped back out. And that was like, I wanted to get into the business school. So I was studying Econ, because that was the one major you could go into. It was hospitality and tourism management or econ were the only majors in business that you didn't have to apply to. And my grades weren't like the best, like after everything I went to my first year. So um, I did that. And then I came back and because of my grades weren't the the best, but I had sold a fucking company. I think they just were like, yo, we'll, we'll let you into. Mm-hmm. What you was know? that company? It was called Easy Events. So, and then I got into the most popular or the hardest major to get into, which is business information technology, which is um, in data support systems. So it's a, it's a mixture of like data analysis, tech, and molding that with like business. So you're taking business classes, but you're also taking like tech related classes as well. Yeah. So it was like kind of the perfect mixture. And then I ended up dropping out again after that. But, but you dropped out mainly because you just couldn't juggle it, not because you didn't see value in it. So the first time I dropped out was because to help out my family. The second time I dropped out was because I was building a company. I was like, I can't do this. The third right. time I dropped out, the company that I sold, I realized got flipped for like 11, 12 times Oh, the amount geez. of money that I sold it for was it like a PE firm situation? Uh-huh. Like what? no, it was like an individual. Oh, like, they bought it and then they bu- they sold bought the it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, and so they bought it, they flipped it. Um, uh, and so there's people out there that literally buy small companies just to flip them. Like yeah, I didn't even like know that. Ex- it's like real estate. I, I didn't know that existed. Like yeah. that was a, like that's a thing. Yeah. And they prey on like people from like. Like the non-New Yorks and San Francisco's yeah, that, of the like world. would need the money up front, the capital. That, well, that need the money, but also never seen that type of money, and also don't realize the value that they have in that. Right. And so I'm like over here, like, like you've Holy never shit. evaluated your company. You don't know what it's worth. I, don't, I didn't know. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you're gonna <laughs> offer me how much? Yeah, yeah. How much for this? You know, like <laughs> it was like crazy. You know, and so because people think like. I don't know. They might think the value is how much revenue you make, but it's like there's a multiple, and it depends right. on what type of business well, you're in. I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was definitely a multiple of the money we were yeah. making, a lot more. Right. But I didn't realize the technology because I didn't know what SaaS was, mm. and so the technology we built, we were just using for our own parties and events. We had built there was no licensing, or anything uh, uh, like done. a poor man's version of Eventbrite already. Mm. Mm. And we say we. This was you and your friend from college. Me and two developers that I well two. Developers, coders that I met my freshman year in Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And so, so you were, they were doing the coding. You were doing like the business side. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so, um, and I was just, I was just paying them. Like they weren't even founders. Like I was just, mm-hmm. I didn't gotcha. know. We, I didn't know that they just wanted cash, bro. They were still in school, mm-hmm. so they were building this for me. You know, I'm out of school. I'm throwing parties and events and things like that. And so I'm using this technology for just my events. Right. right? I didn't think about whoa. Like Eventbrite, because you know they're being built in San Francisco, they're thinking, "Oh, this is a, a, a thing that could be used by anybody using a you know throwing an event." 
like I didn't know I didn't know how the world worked. And so when I found out about Eventbrite, when I found out about just the way Silicon Valley worked, I was like, dude, I gotta get out of here. Like I gotta figure this thing out and everyone in college was like doing the same thing you go to school for four to five years you pledge your fraternity or whatever you get out and then you take a job back home or in dc like a lot of people do that go to virginia colleges and start at 30 35,000 a year and just work slowly work your way up and hopefully by 30 you're hitting 80 90k yeah and it's just like what yeah <laughs> you know it's just, it's just that's just what you do and it's still i feel like it's still a majority of the country is like that Oh, absolutely. What's so crazy is that we get wrapped up in the, this fucking startup shit, but dude, most of LA is still like that. Yeah. We're just in a bubble. You, and when sure, you're in yeah. startups, you're in a bubble. When you're yeah. in entertainment, you're in a bubble. Right. Right? Most people in LA are working regular jobs, yeah. just like my 30K job, hope to get another job. Like people, regular people are like, they're they're yeah. making 30k and they'll leave that job to, to a job that makes 32 and a half k. Right. You know, and they just slowly from $14.50 to $14.63 like it's crazy, you yeah. know, and that's just that's normal life. So well, I'm not I'm not hating on those people. That's no, just, I mean if anything yeah. we need those types of people. Yeah. Everyone needs those like both types of people for the world to work. Otherwise if everyone was an entrepreneur, everyone was like starting a startup, then what are we all doing just competing with each other like right. all day like it's just and and the reality is I'm sure you know is like it's fucking hard like to start a startup. It's not something that anyone can just do and and expect to be like successful. Most like likely you're not going to end up doing anything. Dude, like, like I tell people <laughs> all the time if you want to make money if you drop. really get a job, go right. into corporate, work your fucking way up. Like I have a friend, one of I have two best friends. One of them is a lawyer. Every year he he gets like bumped up like 25, 50k yeah. and then gets bonuses and like, you know, he'll make partner in, you know, a few years and he'll be making million, 2 million a year and like to get fired as a lawyer from a big firm like it just doesn't Not to happen. mention you don't have all the like the heavy weight on your shoulders right. of like running a company. Absolutely and not. And being responsible for other people's well-beings and yeah. like, you know, all that all that shit. Me and my up. best friend was talking today <laughs> and I was reading this old LA Times article where they were talking about how the average Fortune 500 CEO's pension after he retires or she retires, mostly he because of diversity yeah. issues, but is $253,000 a month Jeez. for the rest of your life. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> For the rest of your life. Like yeah. people don't understand, like t- as an entrepreneur, like I really want to break this like this 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 myth about like being an entrepreneur and, and things like that. The truth of the matter is, is like, yo, things are constantly changing. The guys that created like the Garmin, you know, yeah, uh GPSs. GPS, yeah. They were like they were probably Tom, a billion Tom, dollars. Tom. Yeah, Tom's Tom. They were like, yo, we're raking in the dough. Blackberry's like, we're raking in the dough. iPhone comes out. You know, yeah. Google Maps come out. Yeah. Like, you can have an amazing idea, right? Like, even I have Pop Social. The moment Instagram's like, nope, we don't want you to operate no more. It's, it's, it's done, right? Like, you're constantly having to figure things out and create yeah. new streams of revenue. And, like, that shit's hard, bro. And oh, then yeah. people don't realize... That if you create a company and you do a million dollars in revenue, right, you are blessed after expenses, employees, all that, to even pay yourself 100K. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 85% at best. <laughs> right. So like 50. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like people don't understand like this whole startup thing. You're you're going to make more money. I, I was looking up this this CEO I looked up uh looked up to it was a black CEO, used to be the CEO of American Express, made twenty two million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That's Kobe money, bro. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe's with, last year with the Lakers with, made twenty five million dollars a year. Strain on your knees. Well, I would say that Kobe's job was probably a little easier than American Express's CEO. <laughs> <laughs> For but, sure. But but, you know, but 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 the one thing I will say is that like if you want to be a founder, do it because you're passionate about what yeah. you're doing, and this is the life that you really want to lead, not because you feel like you're going to get rich or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's so many stories of so many you know founders or or people that go to work at these. I, I tell people the same way. For founders, also startup employees. If you're going to go to a startup, make sure you're passionate about it and you love what you're doing. Because the truth of the matter is, yeah. not to sound like a Debbie Downer, most of the time it doesn't work out. No, you know why? The, 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 here's where the difference is. It's not a nine to five. You're going to end up working just as much as a founder at a, at a, at a startup. So if, you're, sure. if you're not if you're not into it, um, then don't do it. Because and if you don't work as much as the founder, you're probably going to quit. Or get fired. Get fired. Yeah. 100%. 110%. Yeah. Or and that's like, always been my struggle, right? Like great. whenever I, I was working like at a startup, like it was like, dude, I'm doing the same shit or I'm working as hard, if not harder than the founder. Like right. uh, I, I can just do this myself. Right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's crazy because people don't teach you about preferred shares versus common shares. Mm-hmm. People right. don't teach you about these things. So you come in and you're like... Oh, come in early stage. I got 1% of the company. And then yes. it's just like, <laughs> and it drops and it drops. Yeah. And then the company sells for 100 million and you're like, oh, I'm about to get a million dollars. Actually, you're about to get 80,000 or, or 60,000 or nothing. Because, because the common shareholders, you only get something if something's left after the Right, 110%. And like, you don't, you don't know how much you've been diluted. And then yeah. you guys raised. Sixty million dollars to get to that hundred million dollars. Not to mention it was a private acquisition, so you don't even know how much it sold for to even call it out and be like, right. Where, "Where's my money?" Right. Patrick's <laughs> not speaking from experience. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Love man, it. yeah. it's 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 tough, man, and yeah. you really got to be passionate and really about it and love what you do, man, because yeah, it's it's not you don't make money in startups, man. Like it's just not. This is not what you you're gonna yeah, make. Like, yeah, you know. I really want to talk about this because, um, uh, you know, definitely notice. Like, you mentioned you're 30 years old. You're you're still a super young, dude. But you've done so much, and I mean, to be like a CMO of multiple companies, and now obviously have your own company. But I think it's harder. It's not that it's not hard to start your own company, but it's also like really hard to work your way up to CMO level in your 20s. Right. So, how, how, explain to us like how that path went. Like, you you were in college. You said you sold the company. Like, what right. was what what happened next? Right. So um, I sold the company, came back to school, realized that I really wanted to like figure out this whole Silicon Valley thing. Um, Sean Ellis. Um, I'm not sure if you guys mm-hmm. know who Sean Ellis yeah. is. Yep. He's uh, Growth Hackers, right? Growth Hackers. I went to one of the conferences a few few years ago. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd mentioned. I'd mentioned. You know, we'll talk about it. You're, you're laughing. <laughs> I'd mentioned it. To, I, I DM'd him something, and he was yeah. like, "Do you want to come?" I was like, "Sure." So I just, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're smiling. <laughs> what do you want to? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna shut up. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I'm very. I am very thankful for Sean for taking a chance on a 22 year old, um, and uh, you know being able to literally essentially be the because I was the only marketing person, the head of marketing for his startup Qualaroo, mm-hmm. that was based 
in Newport Beach, Costa Mesa area. Was that the and then, survey one? Yeah, like, survey Okay, one. cool. I think I used that in college. Yeah, yeah, and then also, that makes me feel old. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm not that much older than you. But, uh, and then we had an office in San Mateo, right, mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley. So I got the opportunity to, even though the office I was working out of was in Orange County, be able to regularly regularly make trips up there and really start meet people from the startup world and get this experience. Um, and Every sorry, but how long had you been in California at this time? I moved to for this, for this job. Yeah, D- dude, and I was like, I was getting paid. I was getting paid forty k a Not year. Bad. Not bad. Like, <laughs> head of head of marketing. Yeah, forty <laughs> k a year, dude. I was living. I remember. How did you meet Sean? Sorry, I don't know if you explained it, but uh, how do we? I think we got engaged with each other on Twitter. Sean used to be interim VP of marketing at Eventbrite too. So mm, me, that's right. That's right. Me doing my was he I also did, a Dropbox? Dropbox yes. logging in okay, cool. like yeah. Sean is literally like when it comes to all this stuff is really luck, bro. Like yeah. if you. Imagine you being the first marketing person at Tinder, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like, was it Justin Mateen? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. being, dude, that shit sells like fucking hotcakes. That's like, it. you don't have to be a genius. Nothing against yeah. Justin. Right. But you had yeah. product market fit immediately. You yeah. don't have to do much. You don't have, Facebook, immediately, right. right? It's harder when you got a company like Qualaroo or some stuff that's like, difficult that yeah. takes that's a challenge and as a marketer as a, a, a or, or as a startup employee you can have bad luck and just end up at a bunch of companies with a lot of promise but they don't have that hot product right. sean got amazing experience but also had amazing luck by hitting dropbox oh, yeah. by logging in uproar these all these ipo companies mm-hmm. right like that's that's amazing um that's yeah. amazing so you know i got the opportunity to lead marketing there also got the co-found Growth Hackers, where I led growth there as Hold well. On, I definitely want to focus okay. on this. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. You met Sean on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You're fresh out of college, or is it, you're fresh out of dropping out of college? Well, this is before, like, before I made the decision to drop out. Like, okay, I, had, so I had in my head was like, "Yo, I'm gonna probably." You're in this. college. What did you tell Sean to be like? For Sean to be like, "Come run my marketing team." You remember? Uh. Because I feel like this is the dream of any marketing student in college, so I'm just trying to understand Yeah, I don't know what I said to him. To be honest, bro, I really think that Sean needed somebody that was just cheap as fuck and that was going to work hard and like just go with it. And like my experience, at the time I was uh, doing uh, digital marketing for Neil Strauss. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, And... uh, you know, I had the experience of like working at Eastern National, working, I did marketing for United Way when I was in college, building my own company. It's like, even though I was 22, 23 or whatever I was at the time, I was, wasn't your average person. Like I had years of marketing experience coming into it. Right. And so I think for him, I just, I was just a natural bro. Like yeah. I had the experience and he took it. I think he just really needed somebody that was cheap and was gonna work hard and really but so did you like ask him for a job or he was no, like, no, I didn't ask him for a job. We just connected and, and it just happened uh, to be that he needed someone and you're like, I'll do it. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, I still had to go through an interview process with him, and uh, it came down to me and one other person, and I had to do this analysis on maybe Snapchat or 
I don't know. I had to do like a growth analysis on a company. Yeah. Um, and uh, like Snapchat, not again. I don't, yeah. don't want to make you feel old, but I don't think Snapchat was was it was it around at that time? Yeah, it was. It was around. Snapchat <laughs> started to, to 2012. Oh, 2012. Yeah. Okay, I thought yeah. it was 14. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, were, we were. still Yeah, we were in college. college. Yeah, you were thinking. You were thinking when you were 22. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were yeah, 22 yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2014. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was 2012. So. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I had to do like a breakdown analysis, ended up getting a gig, mm-hmm. moving out, Qualaroo ended up getting acquired. We start growth hackers. And did I'll, you have equity at the time in Qualaroo or no? Yeah, had equity in Qualaroo. Not as fucking much as I should have, because yeah. I didn't understand as a first time startup employee. And like this is this is why like when you say Sean and things like that, I, I'm not trying to shit on the guy, but like, yeah. yo, it sucks when like founders and people like like you don't know. You come into this and you're like, yo, I got this many shares, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not worth shit. Right. You know? And it's like, and you go and you work for a founder. And it's not something that you can negotiate really because it's like, well, yeah. I'll just, then then I'm, then the other person will get hired over me because he's not negotiating. Right. <laughs> and so to me, it's like, this is me not, not shitting on him. It's me being honest that I, I make it a point to be very transparent with the people that work for me, what this stuff means. Right. And for me, my companies, I don't plan on selling like a lot of my companies are bootstrap, just profitable companies. I don't plan on selling. I pay people more because I'm like, you're going to come work for me. Dude, it's not going to be an exit here. Like, I'm going to pay you more. It's I'm not going to sell you this dream or yeah. give you like 20,000 shares. And, and, and it's like, oh, shit, I got 20,000 shares and that's so much money. And no, minimum, there's millions minimum, of shares. Minimum wage, but the but, but it doesn't... Yeah, your shares shit. are worth like $11, <laughs> bro, yeah. you know? And, you know, and, 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 and you don't know that, right? You, you, don't, you don't know those things. And so, yeah, I had equity in, in Qualaroo. Um, helped start Growth Hackers. So how did that happen? So you're at Qualaroo, you got acquired, and then what? Uh, well, we started Growth Hackers as a growth hack to Qualaroo. Mm. Okay. So we we had growth hackers in Qualaroo at the same time. So one out of three people that were using Qualaroo came through growth hackers. We built a community around growth and marketing mm-hmm. and led them back to Qualaroo. It was like a yeah, great Yeah, explain hack. us what, what growth hackers was because I definitely remember it. But like Yeah, I mean, words. it's still around. So, yeah. um, But I stepped down and uh, <laughs> but growth hackers was a – it started off as a community for – the marketing for marketers and startups, growth hackers, all that, right? And so we built this community message board. We had growth analysis of different companies. So we started building this community of, I think we got like 2 million plus people signed up or whatever. And then- I definitely um, don't want to downplay it either because I feel like I should say this. Like um, now everyone like talks about growth hacking. It's like a buzzword, but you guys sort of coined that, right? I remember- Well, like, Sean coined it. Sean coined Sean, it. Sean I know he has a book called Hacking Growth too, right? He wrote a- yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan, shout out to Morgan Brown. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Brown uh, was a big contributor to Hacking Growth. He co-wrote it with right. Sean, yeah. and Morgan is one of the most brilliant marketers. He's now uh, a product manager at Facebook, mm. which is crazy. Like he's like super experienced though. Like he's been a CMO, VP of marketing, all right. these different. Like places. he could he could start his own business tomorrow. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's a, he's 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 a beast. But. Um, but yeah, we started at the same time and, uh, well, not at the same time, but we started Growth Hackers as that. And then when Qualaroo got acquired, Growth Hackers was its own company. And, and, and how brand. long were you there for? Or like running that for? 
couple years. Um, and then um, during that time, I also created uh, Millicence, which is my marketing firm, because mm-hmm. like my brand started to grow within the startup marketing world. And I just had a bunch of people wanting to get marketing services from me. And I was like, whoa, like this is really good money, but I, I don't have the bandwidth to do all this. And so that's why. So did you started, hire people instead or? Yeah. So I, you know, started with using like contractors and things like that. People I knew within the, um, the marketing community and, and built my own marketing firm. And so all these things were happening and things were amazing. So, you know, Qualaroo, Growth Hackers, like it was like boom, 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 like Millicent's, all these things were going well. And I was 25 years old, 24, 25. And uh, the CEO of Sticker Mule, I don't know if you guys heard of Sticker Mule, yeah. uh, asked me to be their CMO. How did that happen? I mean, he just saw the work that I was doing. Did you work with Sticker Mule like, as the marketing agency? or he just, No, no. Oh, he okay. just found me uh, through, the, through Growth Hackers and my work with Growth Hackers. And he took a chance, man. Like, you know, Sticker Mule's pretty big size company mm-hmm. um, as a startup, you know, doing a lot of revenue. Are they out in Colorado? No, they have an office in Colorado. Oh, okay, they have okay. a I thought they were customer. <laughs> they have a customer service office in Colorado. Like people, I can't go into it, but like yeah. Sticker Mule is bigger and more successful than people realize. Yeah, you know, so that gave me the opportunity to be CMO of a very successful company at a very young age and get um, a lot of experience. And that's when I actually moved to LA. Um, is when that happened. So was it uh, was it like a shift from being in the startup world to something a little bit more corporate, or was it still did it still have that startup? Oh, it was very very. It, do you want to ask? Uh, no, you're good. Oh, um, yeah, it still felt very startup. Mm-hmm. So, like the thing is, like even Uber, bro, like. Yeah. Before they IPO, they still felt very startup-y. I'm sure it still feels startup-y there since yeah. they can't figure out how to make yeah. money. You well, know? Now that Dara's in, I don't know, he's probably yeah. running it like a company. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it takes a lot of time for a company to mature to yeah. really feel- Like be like Microsoft cool. level. Yeah, and I worked with Microsoft. Oh, you did, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was uh, 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 head of marketing for Microsoft, uh, uh, Microsoft China uh, Mobile Alliance Services, so creating apps- um, and I was the head of growth marketing for that. And this yeah, all after? This was between Sticker Mule and Skirt. Got it. Um, and that was what, a few years? What, yeah. At, between at, Sticker Mule and uh, Microsoft and all those other projects? So it was Sticker Mule for a couple years. Uh, Why did you end up leaving Sticker Mule? Uh, stickers. You, yeah. A sticker. Like, like no, like, uh, <laughs> it's like... Waking up every day and being like, it's no shade, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like sticking me up. If you want to go to a company that you're going to be like paid really well, they have an amazing team, and you are just, you're cool with that. Like, it's, it's, it's like you don't necessarily want to chase like a passion. Like, right. that sounds or, or so bad. The world, it makes me sound like I'm being hate, like a hater. Like, this nah, is a very I mean, controversial makes sense. podcast. But uh, no, <laughs> not, for not real. At all. Like, not at all. Not I've, I've, I've like, we'll do another from, one another time and it'll be like complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, literally, like, it's, and, and I say this about any company. If you're working for like an oil company, are you like, wow, 
I'm passionate about oil. I love I just it. Can't, I can't. Well, maybe them Texans. I love it. <laughs> you know who loves it? Dick love Cheney. Oil, we won't get into you know? that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you just, it's hard to feel the impact. But yeah. look, let me. But look, I don't think you sound like a hater. I think I think what what this sounds like is just real advice. I think and you're thoughts. saying what a lot of people think yeah, in their mind. But no, no. Beyond that, it's like you're not hating on them as a company or what they do. You're just saying it didn't align with what I want to do. Right. Like, did I get good experience? Yeah, great. Do I want to sell stickers for the rest of my life? No, and that's that's fine, dude. That's, that's fair. it's like printing out money, bro. It's like the margin yeah. is crazy, yeah. it's, and I'm sure the founder loves that. I'm sure it's, he's, it's, he's having a great, great time. Yeah, Sticker Mill is probably yeah, Sticker Mill is like the most successful startup I've worked at as an executive wow. outside of Microsoft. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, Microsoft yeah, yeah. Is I mean, the most. but <sighs> Sticker Mill is crazy. So, did you get recruited from Microsoft, or you left and then you? Microsoft Microsoft wanted me to come. And I was just like, yo, this seems like a really dope idea to help go-to-market strategy for new apps, introducing new apps that Microsoft is trying to introduce to the millennial market. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was looking at as the millennial marketing genius and, you know, according to Forbes. And it's just like, dude, whatever. That's, yeah, let's back up there. Like you mentioned, like you, your brand was growing and, and I, we were talking offline about like the importance of and how like a lot of founders and business owners don't have their personal brand. What were you doing throughout that time that allowed you to like grow that, grow your personal brand? Like just being active on social media or was there more, like more of a strategy to it? I think if I was to be completely honest, I was being intentional about growing my brand. Now, was I out here doing the whole like Gary V, creating a bunch of content and doing all this? No, not necessarily. I was creating a lot more content than I do now, like posting on Snapchat and posting more on Instagram and Twitter all the time and stuff like that. But not like, you know, but it was like more, you 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 know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, was it more like sharing your personal story or was it more it, like talking about like things in the world? It was more like I'm going to take every interview that comes my way, every podcast, every speaking engagement, every single thing. And so when I'm talking about every speaking engagement, I mean like whether it's paid or not paid. Like one thing I see founders doing is they're doing a bunch of speaking engagements where they're not getting paid or have no value add. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have a B2B business and you just flew to yeah. Miami from LA for this conference that has no one in that B2B world that's going to, you know, right. buy your service, buy your services or do anything for you. And you just went there and you paid for your own flight and hotel and right, right. you just wanted to do it so you could post it on Instagram and look like you're somebody. Like, I hope I'm not offending anybody, but that it's, it's crazy to me how much time is spent and now I wasn't the type of person I was just gonna fly out for like free like you know you're gonna at least fly me out or whatever but like I was very intentional about every personal branding opportunity I would take event like this is like years ago but like I would take advantage of it I would speak here I would speak there mm-hmm. whether it was Forbes or whether it was like a little blog I would do the interview whether it was a big podcast but you did your due diligence it sounds like it was like even if it was little you saw promise you saw like where that could right go. And that, that person might blow up tomorrow and like yeah but like go. just doing and that used to be my advice to people when they when I when they talked about building their brand I was like yo just do everything yeah, yeah. if you want to really build your your personal brand just get just, out there just get out there and do everything and and that's completely changed now where Look, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I literally, if you notice, I don't post on my social media unless I'm getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so, know? Or unless it's like my own event, like I just did this art event, but right. like 
Is that mainly because you're you, you're just more private now, or I'm is- way more private. I don't give a shit about. Hopefully, this doesn't make me lose checks, but I don't give a shit about my personal brand. Like, I just don't care. Like, it's literally a means to an end, and it's a it's monetary value for me. Right? Yeah. It's like okay, I'm going to because I got I I built this audience. This brand is going to pay me X amount of dollars to post, and it's always going to be things that's aligned and genuine with me. Of course, yeah. right? But I'm not just going to post. Like, if I'm at the the Lakers game, why do I need to share that I'm at the Lakers game? Yeah. If I'm on a plane and I'm sitting first class on a private jet, yeah. I've never been on a private jet, bro. Yeah. Like, I, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to fly a commercial. Like, it doesn't matter to me. But, like, people do all these things where they're just trying to prove and, like, build this image of themselves mm-hmm. and like it's just it's just ridiculous it's so much time put into it so now with social media i legitimately only post when i'm getting paid or it's something yeah. that's like business related or whatever like i'm just living my so life so let's be clear cuz i feel like you're right like a lot of people think their brand is like them kind of sort of flashing like who they are and that kind right. of stuff and people are attracted to that but really i guess like in your own words like what would you say when when you're talking about you know people building a brand like what would you say that looks like like what what if it's not that, like, what is it? What what should they be focusing on? You should be focused on making an impact in people's lives and providing value, like real, genuine value. You being courtside at a Lakers game because your cousin knows some whatever got you tickets and you really yeah. didn't pay for it, and you posting that, that's not doing anything for anyone. Mm-hmm. What is that... It's not doing anything for anybody, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for me, it's about, okay, yo, here's how I messed up with my taxes when I when I started my first company. So I wrote this blog post so you know how to properly file your taxes. and Or here's a list of accountants that you could use that are reputable for your taxes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are, who does that? Yeah. No, no one does that. You know, it's like... You know, you just gotta grind out and 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 just keep pushing and and fight through and da da da. And it's like, and some of the advice is so toxic, bro, for like your mental health and physical health. Like I saw one thing that this guy said was like, "Yo, to be successful, sometimes you just gotta cut everybody off." Hmm. And I'm like, "What, yeah. bro? Like we're, that's, we're there now after all this? Like this is where we are. <laughs> this is where we are." And so for me, wow. it's it's it's. I think it's really being true to who you are. Yeah. People are spending more time trying to create an image of what they want people to think they are than actually being the person that they want people to think they are. Does that make sense? Like instead of you're trying to paint this picture of you being this super successful entrepreneur instead of actually doing the work. The number one way to really build a brand is to actually accomplish some shit. Yeah. Right. Success. Like actually success, but like, yeah, like doing it. Right. Like just be like, oh yeah, I did that. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And that, that becomes like influential now. Right. You right. did that. You know, yeah. the one thing that no one can take away from me, I could be, I could lose everything tomorrow. But this past decade, I fucking killed it, bro. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from me. You can't take mm-hmm. those accomplishments away from me. So yeah. even if I don't create anything else successful in my life, I can still right. eat it's off so funny. of that. It's so cliche that, you know, actions speak louder than words thing, but it's so much more prevalent, I think, today than it was 100 years ago because, like, with social media, the fact that everyone has a voice, which is great, but with that comes more talking, right? Everyone's just talking, talking, talking. I think now we got to revise that statement and say actions speak louder than content. Right. 
180. Someone's got to make like a graphic design about this thing that I just said. <laughs> no, but you know, there's a fellow Virginian of yours, Alexis Ohanian, that um, he's from Virginia. He went to UV. Um, oh, but he's not from Virginia Tech, but yeah, he went to UV. Um, so he speaks a lot about hustle porn, right? Like mm. the fact that like we're all now bought into this thing like hustle, hustle. And I'm not going to name the person that, you know, always talks about that. But that doesn't do anything beneficial, right? Like right. what hustle can mean just doing something really well, but you don't have to spend necessarily 15 hours a day on it. You might be really good at it and work two hours a day and that's your hustle, right? Like, right. so I, th- I just think that, you know, you, you know, you now you talk about impact, right? And then there's people that are like, oh, we got to make money. We got to hustle, hustle. What does that even mean? Like, what's your purpose? Right. right? Like, okay, you make all that money and then what? What are you going to do with it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I, I was, I was having a conversation with my barber, right? And I said, if someone gave you a thousand dollars a day, like untaxed, a thousand dollars a day, but you still had to like, you know, you're a barber, so you're working five or six days a mm-hmm. week. You're in the, in the shop morning to the evening, whatever. If you got paid a thousand dollars per day, could you spend that? What do you say? Depends and on. And he how much and time he was like, there. he was like, yeah, yeah. And then I really broke that down. I'm like, okay, you're in a shop from X time amount of time right. to X amount of time. Like how much you need to you sleep. Go food and whatever, <laughs> and it's like you literally have to want to deliberately. If you're you're making a thousand dollars a day, yeah. it's what thirty to thirty one thousand dollars. It's three hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year. That's three hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year. But even just breaking it down from a a monthly perspective, say right. it's like thirty thousand per month. Yeah, like you can get you an amazing place in L A. Five, six, seven thousand. Yeah. You might have other expenses, a car, whatever. Ten, say everything else, another three thousand. You still have twenty thousand dollars a month to do whatever the hell you want with it, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And everyone's out here trying to be a billionaire. Yeah, you have to deliberately like. If you're spending $30,000 a month, you deliberately, especially as a single person, yeah. you have to deliberately want to yeah. be like ridiculous. losing money. You you just want to be ridiculous yeah. at that point. Yeah, just like, splurge. Yeah, just splurge, spend money, yeah. like eat out every single night. You have to try very like, hard. No, no boo try, all week, you know? Like, yeah. You even, have to, then, <laughs> even then, you won't be able to hit that number. Yeah. The, Bre- breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Where yeah. it comes expensive is like, oh, I want to go get great seats at a game. Yeah. And do, but those aren't happening Those are one-offs, day. though. Those no, are one-offs. Yeah. 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 That's 365K. Consistent, like bills on something. Yeah. Right, right. So if that's the case for 365,000, right, yeah. which is really probably after taxes here, 600 to 700, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not even a million dollars a no. year, right? But people think that they need to be worth billions of dollars. Like, I, I don't know. I, could, I couldn't spend that money, bro. Yeah. No, there's no way. You could invest it. You can invest it, and, and that's great or whatever, yeah. but we spend our lives just so focused on money, being yeah. more successful yeah. and making more money. Yeah. So you said you want more, though. What is for you? What does more mean? Impact, bro. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sell fucking stickers, bro. I want to yeah. change the world. I want to impact the world of art. I want to inspire people. I want to mm-hmm. make the world a better place. I want to eradicate homelessness. I want to fix so many things. Like, that's that's... Really, like people think legacy is like fame and money. No, legacy is how you impact people and how your how something you did lives on. Right? right? Like if for me, like no one remembers how much money like Abraham Lincoln had. No, or like uh, Martin Luther King had. Like right, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. When you when you talk about Steve Jobs, are you talking about how much he was worth? Yeah. No. No. 
You're not talking about that shit. And then, and it's not even about that. To me, legacy and real impact is if I go up to somebody and I give them advice and I say, you know, your why in life really should be about helping others, impacting others and whatever. And they take that mentality and they change and they want to do that. And then they tell their son and daughter to do that, that. And they tell their son and daughter. And like something you just said to a stranger, right? could literally impact the world for generations, yeah. right? That's real legacy. Real legacy is the things that are unseen, mm. the things that you can't touch and feel a lot of the times. Right? The things that people say behind your back that when you're not there, not in front of your face. Yeah. So, Everett, how are you living that right now? You know, obviously, you you worked at Skirt. You left or you got they got bought out. What was the deal there? Acquired by Fair, yeah. And then, so now you're, you are... You have multiple companies, but right. how are you living the life of impact that you want to be living? Right. And so if you look at the things that since since I left Skirt, became part owner and an advisor to a company called Haver, which is- How do you spell it? H-A-Y-V-E-R, is okay. a company that is helping people stay sober. So helping people when they come out of- uh, an outpatient after being in a rehab center, giving them a circle trust, helping people stay sober. Boom. One. Two, B-Say. B-Say um, is a company I don't have any ownership in, but I helped Zoe Saldana start. And it's it's uh, a media company to tell the stories of the Latinx people. And it's something we literally don't have. And that's going to inspire new generations of people within that community. Three, is Southside Fund, which is my nonprofit, helping students, back, kids back in my hometown um, to accomplish their dreams by giving them scholarships to pursue being an artist or being a musician or being whatever they want to be or to impact the community. And then lastly, uh, ArtX, a platform to help artists get discovered, be able to be um, you know, successful in their lives and and really help that community in the art space that's un you know that's not seen like mm-hmm. that aren't represented by these big galleries that can make a bunch of money. It's all these struggling artists out there right. giving them a platform where they can be discovered and their work can be appreciated. Like that's impact. So you think about just since I left Skirt, those are four com- the four companies that I've been involved with or started. Have, are all positively impact, impactful companies. This isn't Millicent, a marketing firm. This isn't Growth Hackers. This isn't Pop Social. I love those companies, but who gives a shit, bro? But like to play the devil's advocate, there you sort of need any. You know, I don't know how your nonprofits are structured, but like a lot of times, like you need money from another source to be able to fund those. You know, pro- nonprofits. So you you also you, so, you sort of do need those businesses, but it's more so the the means of what they're creating. It's like not so much going money in your pocket that you're splurging on yourself. Like right. you're making money to be able to put it into these programs. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to work. It's just not going to sustain 110%. itself. So, so what else are you doing outside of those things that is sort of feeding into you being oh, able to well, carry I those things Oh, well, Pop Social and okay. and these companies that are very profitable yeah. and making money. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Haver's making money at this point. Um, even though it's being impactful, is help is helpful. Artex, when we put out our revenue generating product, mm-hmm. it's gonna make money, but it's gonna still be impactful. You can still be impactful. It's like social money. entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. Yeah, and in a sense, but Artex is still gonna be a very consumer driven company. It's right. gonna be successful. Yeah. It's gonna make money, but it's also gonna help. Right. A lot of people. And it's different than just creating some software that, you know, you sell to businesses mm-hmm. and, you know, 
you know, it mm-hmm. is what it is. Like that's great and all, and I'm not taking anything away from that, but it's different. Those those four companies that I just said, this is that just shows you that I'm on a different track, a different track. Yeah. For someone, so I'm I'm curious though, for someone that who hasn't accomplished what you have in this last decade yet, and perhaps is you know 18, 19, 20 listening in college right now, right. and wants to be impactful, right? They want to do good for the world, right. and kind of like Pat said, but they need money, right? Like right. not not to be rich, but to kind of survive. What's your advice to that kid, right? You know, man, woman doesn't matter. What is that person, what should they be doing early on to set themselves up to be on the track that you are now, you know, creating positive impact, but also making money and, you know, earning a living? Right. So Dave Chappelle was doing this interview and um, he was talking about a conversation with his father and his father was a teacher. And, you know, of course, you don't want to hear that your son wants to be a comedian. That doesn't sound like a very profitable thing to do. He said, you know, dad, um, if I can make the same amount of money that you do teaching, doing comedy, isn't that success? I think we have to take a step back and really think about what it is that we really want, right? At the end of the day, does it matter more to you? If you're somebody that truly wants to do the things that you're passionate about and impact the world, then you should want to be able to make a living mm-hmm. and be okay. And that should be the bare minimum. Like that should be yeah. it. Right. And if anything over that, as long as you can take care of yourself. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, like know how much you need to make, to right. be able to like, like have food on the table and just like live and then f- figure out how to get to that point. Doing what you love, like you could do that. It's not that much money. Like yeah, the average person, like you said, like doesn't need that much money. So the average person in LA makes twenty seven thousand dollars a year, bro. Yeah, but the, to answer your question, I think the first step to as as these kids, they have to humble themselves and realize the problem is is that people want to change the world and be impactful, but they also want to be rich. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that doesn't. There's not a lot of crossover there. Yeah, it's not a lot of times. There's not a lot of crossover. So you have to really be honest with yourself and there's nothing wrong with chasing the bag and making money for yourself and then giving back if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do but if you truly want to say you know what i want to change the world and be impactful and i want that to be my day in and day out job then you might need to take a hit but you can also find ways where you can change the world and do something impactful and still make money at the same time i think artx can do that Mm-hmm. I think Haver can do that, and I think BSA can do that. Southside Fund is a nonprofit, so I'll take that out of it. I yeah. think those three companies can all make money mm-hmm. and be super impactful. And I think that's what he meant by you know social entrepreneurship too. Is like you know people often think like, oh, if I want to do good for the world, I have to start a nonprofit, which means I'm not going to make a lot of money. That's absolutely right. not true. Like right. you should, I mean, people like you should start a business. Like it's a business at the end of the day, but a business often has this negative connotation like oh it's you know it's it's for money and it's you know going in people's pockets but right. like that is literally funding the the right. the nonprofit side right. of things absolutely so. and so you just got to you got to be able to if you could take a step back and you if you really don't care about money you'll be fine yeah. like if you really don't care about money you can always find impactful things to do to impact the world and there's so many people out there that are living in like studio apartments with another person and like you know living with their parents still or whatever but they are 
chasing a dream and they're and they're and they're changing the world and they're positively impacting lives. It's just that most people aren't willing to make that sacrifice. Yeah. Well, hey man, this has it. been such an awesome conversation. I feel like we could sit here and chat all yeah, day about man. this stuff. Yeah, but thanks for having us over and thanks for being on the pod and thanks for being real. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks Thank for being you real. Guys. Man. Appreciate it. <laughs>